Welcome to Calibrate Conversations, a podcast about embracing God's standard for sexuality. I'm your host, Brady Cohn. If you're joining us on YouTube and you don't already know, we are also on all the podcast apps. So uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Spot Podcast, Spotify. So if you'd rather listen to your podcast as you drive, then f- feel free to look up Calibrate Conversations on all those apps and make sure you share with your friends. So today we are going to talk about three steps to finding freedom from sexual addiction. And sexual addiction is complicated, so certainly there's a lot more that we could talk talk about. But I want to boil down to three steps I, I think that most people dealing with sexual addiction probably need to take. I think this is such a hard issue. and We live our life in so much silence and secrecy because we're full of shame and we're full of guilt. And I see guys who desperately want freedom, but they don't know where to go or they're unwilling to take any steps to get there. And it has devastating consequences on their lives. But we don't want to wait until our lives fall apart. We don't wait, want to wait until we uh, have even more consequences, until it's destroyed our marriage or our relationships or our witness to the Lord. We want to take some steps now to deal with our sexual addiction. And some of those aren't always just addiction to sex. It can be addiction to pornography, addiction to just lust, lustful thoughts. It can be masturbation. We just talked about masturbation on the podcast last week. So if you missed that, make sure you check out that episode. So sexual addiction can take on many different forms. At Calibrate Ministries, we have an entire ministry just for parents of LGBTQ kids because we want to be able to shepherd your hearts and encourage you and pray for you and your family as you navigate these situations. So just go to CalibrateMinistries.com and fill out the contact form, and I'd love to be in touch with you about how you can be involved in that ministry. So here's the first step on overcoming sexual addiction. We need to understand what true intimacy is. In our culture, we've bought into all these cheap forms of intimacy. We've traded intimacy for just sex, whereas sex is actually the result of intimacy. We need to look at Genesis 2, 24 through 25. What is creation supposed to be? What are we supposed to do? It says in those those verses, for this reason, man will leave his mother and father and be joined together and become one flesh. They were naked and felt no shame. Wow, what a great vision. They were naked and felt no shame. They were able to be exposed to one another, not just exposed physically, but emotionally and spiritually. So true intimacy is to be able to stand before one another, being fully exposed and knowing that we're accepted, that we're loved, that there's there's no shame and there's no hiding, that knowing that this is who I am. And so uh, notice in this passage, um, in marriage, as, as they move together in marriage, there's also this cutting off from one another. They're, they're cutting themselves off from their family origins, from other things holding them back, from uh, previous lives. Adam and Eve didn't really have previous lives. But sometimes we have to sever ties uh, to be able to move forward with intimacy in the ways that God wants us to. We have to let go of dysfunction. We have to 
uh, you know, leave and cleave uh, is what God tells us to do. And so sometimes that cleaving is is cutting off uh, previous habits and patterns and dysfunction and lies that we believed. We have to join together in everything that we do, uh, live, uh, eat, and the way we live life. I, I In the Septuagint translation, when it talks about leaving one another uh, to become one flesh, it actually uses a word that says glued, like in marriage, we're glued to one another uh, because we're so intimate and we have so much em- connection in every possible way. And so true intimacy is being fully naked and not ashamed in every possible way. So I want to take a step back and talk about what does healthy intimacy look like? Uh, what is how, how do we filter through what is healthy desire for intimacy and what's not healthy desire for intimacy? How do we build healthy intimacy? Because if we want to understand it, we have to understand how do we get there? So there's this model called the relational attachment model. And I didn't make this. I don't know who made it. It's pretty widely used in Christian counseling and in also some secular circles. So I want to take us through what are the steps in this relational attachment model to building a healthy desire for intimacy? The first step is this, is knowledge. If we're going to have intimacy with someone in a healthy way, uh, we need to have a a deep knowledge of one another. And so as you're dating someone, as you're going to know someone, we we should be uh, gaining more knowledge of them. And as knowledge goes up, the, the we can start to build a little bit of trust in them. And so knowledge is first and trust is second. Um, hopefully as we gain more knowledge of someone, we, we see that we should be able to trust them. And so knowledge increases, trust increases. Then over time, as you move forward in a relationship, you have more commitment. Hopefully as you know them and trust them, you can commit to them. And as a relationship develops, um, there can be more commitment. Then as you're committed to someone, then there's reliance. And so you know them, trust them, commit to them, and then you can rely on them. There's reliance at different levels, but it should always be following the first three. And it's always after those first four that then we have a healthy desire for intimacy. I I remember when I was dating Mary, I've told this uh, story many times in sharing my testimony. I'm having come from a background of same-sex attraction um, uh, a lot of people said I shouldn't be in a relationship with a woman and, and they'd always say things like, oh, you're attracted to women now. So, uh, you know, uh, you, cause you're dating a woman. It's like, no, no, no. I only want to be attracted to one woman and that's my wife. Uh, but I was also concerned because it felt like I'm not feeling all these, th- these raging feelings and sexual desire, uh, for her, um, as, as the world says I should, or that seems normal to everyone else. And thankfully, I had wise counsel, especially a, a disciple of mine, Clayton, who took me through this model. And he said, that's great. That's great that you don't have this raging sexual desire for her because she's not your wife, and that would be lust. And But you need to go through this process of building a deep knowledge of each other and trusting each other and committing to each other and having reliance on one another. And then God will build a healthy desire for intimacy. And God has been faithful to do that. And so when we jump just to um, the... Uh, intimacy of physical intimacy of sex, we're actually, it's actually coming from a place of idolatry, a place of dysfunction, a place of using this person in a way that we're not supposed to use them. 
Um, instead of God honoring intimacy, which uh, flows from uh, this knowledge, trust, commitment, and reliance. And so that model has been so helpful in me and my own marriage, my own walk with the Lord, and asking, is this desire for intimacy healthy? And and how do we trust God to get there? And what steps can we take to get to a true knowledge of intimacy and building intimacy with another person? I have pastors and church leaders regularly reach out to me about speaking at their churches and events. If that's something you would be interested in, feel free to go to calibrateministries.com and fill out the contact form, and I'd love to talk to you about what that would look like. I also want to explain that intimacy isn't just a thing between uh romantic partners or in a marriage, intimacy happens in all relationships. We we should have a level of intimacy in our friendships, in our community, with our, our church community, uh, with our family members. There's intimacy that happens in all of those aspects of life. Just obviously it looks in a different way. It's not the arrows type uh, romantic, um, obviously physical, sexual uh, type intimacy, but we still uh, build intimacy in all those contexts through uh, these same methods, through starting with knowledge, trust, commitment, reliance, and then we should feel intimacy. It's also interesting that this is also the same process for building healthy intimacy with God. And just like our culture twists sex and wants to go right to the sex without having reliance and commitment and, and trust of one another, we also do that same thing with God. Many times I hear people who say they want to have intimacy with God, yet uh, they don't take the time and put in the work to have a deep knowledge of God that comes from having a relationship with Him and comes from being in His Word. They don't fully trust in God in many areas of their life. They don't really commit to God and commit to following Him in, in all areas. They don't rely on God in ways that we're able to rely on Him, and therefore they don't experience um, a desire for intimacy or healthy intimacy with God, but we we twist that and we want to jump right towards um, intimacy without putting in the work of building the relationship. And many times, so then we seek that in an emotional experience with God. And you know, I I, I hate to work use the word charismatic because I don't want to put down my charismatic friends. I love those friends, but I, I see that sometimes in charismatic circles of we want the experience with God, we want to experience the emotions of God. But if we're going to have this healthy intimacy with God, first we have to surrender to God. We have to get to know Him. We have to gain knowledge. We need to trust Him, commit Him, and rely on Him. And so that is how we build healthy intimacy with someone uh, so that we can be in front of them naked and unashamed and that that we know each other, we trust each other, we commit to one another, we rely on, on one another. And that form of uh, of intimacy is healthy and it's life-giving. And so that is God's vision for intimacy within marriage and within all other relationships with people around us in the appropriate ways. So when I see someone that I start to feel some things for emotionally and I, I, I start to um, question, is this healthy? Is this good? I can filter it through this model and understand it's like, no, I don't know this person. I don't trust this person. There's no commitment. There's no reliance. I shouldn't 
be feeling these desires to connect with him deeply because this is not healthy intimacy that I'm desiring. Okay, the second way that uh, we can take steps to deal with our sexual addiction and find freedom is telling someone. Keeping it a secret uh, is what the devil uses to blackmail us. He uses it to build shame and darkness in our lives. We, we can't find freedom when we keep secrets. So maybe the person you need to tell is your spouse, maybe your pastor, maybe a trusted friend, but you have to tell someone. God didn't design us to be sanctified and to live this life alone. That's just not what he designed us for. And so uh, if you have sexual addiction in your life, whether it's lustful thoughts, masturbation, pornography, uh, sex outside of marriage, you know, uh, same-sex relationships, whatever it is, tell someone. Um, uh God uh, designed us to live in community, and he designed a process of sanctification. He says in his word to um, uh, to confess our sins so that we may be healed. He didn't say to confess them so we are forgiven because we don't have to do anything to be forgiven by God. Uh, we're forgiven if we believe in him and we, we put our faith in him. But if we want to find healing on this side of the cross, we need to go through this process of sanctification. And it starts with confession. Sexual struggles usually are an indication of uh deeper issues. They're just a symptom. And so we can start this process of confession and start to let God work on uh, what is my heart actually seeking? What lies have my heart believed? In Romans 1, when it talks about homosexuality specifically, it's this progression of they traded the truth about God for a lie that led them to worship creation instead of the creator, and that helped them develop lust for one another, and God gave them over to that lust, and they had sexual relations with each other. And so... Uh, Sex outside of marriage, outside the boundaries that God created us for, is always um, uh, seeking something for ourselves. It's us putting our hope and our value and our wholeness in something other than God, in a person instead of in God. And God wants to untangle that. He wants to untwist it. But we have to go through the process of sanctification, and it starts with confession. I many times see people who, especially uh, in the world of same-sex attraction, who have said that, well, I just give up. I'm going to live this life. Uh, I'm going to identify as gay. I'm just going to um, live it up because I, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and God just never took these desires away. And so uh, obviously, you know, they make assumptions. Obviously, God doesn't want me to have freedom. He doesn't want to change this. And I, I always tell them, you can't expect the results of discipleship without going through the process of discipleship. Yes, praying is important. Uh, but we shouldn't just pray for God to take this away. We should pray that we honor God, that we should pray that uh, that we that God's will is done, that we will surrender and follow him regardless of what feelings and attractions we have in this moment. And so we have to not only pray, we have to make sure we're praying the right things and we have to make sure we're taking the right steps. And so you have to make sure you're taking the, taking the steps of discipleship if you expect the results of discipleship. So I encourage you, 
you today, just if you're struggling with any type of sexual addiction, tell someone. And that person might not be perfect. That person might not handle it extremely well, but you can rest in God's grace in that. And if they're not the right person to walk along beside you, tell someone else. Uh, uh, find someone else to talk to. And that is the first step of starting to find freedom um, and not having to live in this world of darkness any longer. The third step we have to finding freedom from our sexual addiction is turn to God and invite him into your life so you can find freedom. Uh, God's freedom is so much different than what the culture says is freedom. Our culture says freedom is just to have no inhibitions, no boundaries, that we should just uh, give in to every whim and every desire, but that's actually slavery. That's actually being a, a, a slave to our own sinful desires. So our culture's version of freedom freedom is complete opposite of God's version of freedom. I heard this analogy once, and this isn't my illustration, uh, but someone once said that creativity is just create is just forgetting your sources. And I don't know who said this, but they said that we look at a goldfish in this this bowl full of water. So people might say, "Oh, he's so constrained in there. I I I want him to have freedom. So we smash the tank and we bust it and we break it, and the water goes everywhere." And then what happens to the goldfish? He lays there on on the table just and he dies because the freedom that we wanted him to have actually kills him because within the confounds, within the boundaries of the bull, he had everything he needed for life. And that's the way it is when we surrender to God's will for our sexuality. When we surrender, we have everything we need for God to give us life in the ways that the world could never offer. And so we have freedom, not necessarily from struggle, not necessarily from temptations and desires, but we have freedom from the world. We have freedom from being slaves to our flesh. And it's and Christ died on the cross to give us freedom. We say that all the time, right? But we have to understand what does that freedom look like? It's not the freedom of the world. It's not always freedom from temptation, uh, but it's freedom uh, from living in slavery from what our heart desires. So I encourage you guys to take these steps. These, like I said, this is a very simplistic version, and there's so much we could talk about about sexual addiction. But these are some simple steps that we can take. Maybe not, maybe simple on paper. I know they're hard to actually do, and it takes courage, and, and it takes um, determination, and it takes humility. But I encourage you to go through these steps, start to understand what is true intimacy, pray about it, understand where have I twisted intimacy in my own life? Where have I desired intimacy in ways that I shouldn't have? Secondly, tell someone, tell someone because you can't do this alone and you don't have to do this alone. And third, uh, turn to God and surrender to him and trust that in the boundaries that God gives us, he gives us everything we need for life. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Calibrate Conversations. Make sure you check out our website, calibrateministries.com. Uh, check out our podcasting apps where you can listen. If if YouTube isn't your thing, make sure you share with your friends. Go to calibrateministries.com for more resources and to find out how you can support this ministry. We appreciate you joining us. And if, you, if there's anything I can do for you, please let me know. Thank you much. <laughs>